0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 20th, 2024. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me as always, being brave enough to get in the backseat.
1: Bad touch, bad touch, bad touch. And and this is bad touch. Send help. On today's show, we will, of course,
0: be discussing a couple of games that we have played. There's some crazy news for Crazy Taxi. 700 Ubisoft workers strike in France over failed salary negotiations. And on our community corner, more Ubisoft news. Their CEO defends Skull and Bones. $70 price despite its live service leanings. Calls it quadruple A. (laughs) Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics Hello, Rage Hello How are
1: you? Um, I'm alright, I had a busy day at work Yep Uh, Some drama that is not going to be in a Franken-Content Because I don't want it to come back to bite me in the ass
0: No, but we do have 30-ish good minutes of Franken-Content Well, we have
1: good minutes in there?
0: Well, it says we started recording, we fired Frank up 34 minutes ago, the last five-ish minutes of us being like, uh-huh, article, yep, did you put that up? Okay. I don't know if I'd call that good, but we had story time. We, we learned about uh, a man who did some very, very dumb things and wound up dying uh, in Ukraine, talked about the COVIDs a little bit, mm-hmm. talked about work stuff. You know, we're chilling. Uh, chilling chillin like villains. Ooh. Just hanging out. Anyways, I don't I, I don't... I don't know what else to say. Do you have other things to say, or would you like to talk about
1: some games? Now Let's blast off into my first game, then we could swap off. Yep, got a lot of space stuff. We have four, three
0: sci-fi space-themed things in our four things. But yeah, you can go ahead and go first.
1: So next test was a couple weeks ago now, <laughs> yeah. And uh, as per usual, I load up a few demos to try out. I still have a couple to test out, assuming they don't get locked out on me. So I still have one more sci-fi thing and one kind of sci-fi thing. So yeah, lots uh, of sci-fi for me this time around. So both of these, uh, both of my games are demo. So, product may vary. I reserve the right to change my opinion on once the full game comes out. Alright. So, prefaces all the way down. Of course. My first one is Lightyear Frontier, a mech-based farming sim. And, oh, this is one that I was so excited to try out when I saw the demo. And I think it popped up in Discovery Queue at some point for me. Because I had it actually on my wish list already. And it is so, so, so disappointing for me. So, it's using the uh, Earth Got Used Up uh, you know, uh, timeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they decide to blast people off. A such I, I, They didn't say what, but I'm assuming cryostasis. Uh, to uh, nearby stars to essentially set up farms and uh, send food back. Then they, dis- uh, then they decide, you know, maybe we should just focus on Mars and let uh, everybody that they were sending out to the stars, you know, kind of languish. Which, you know, already, you know, you need some sort of suspicion of disbelief for a mech-based game to begin with. Because while mechs are cool and, you know, big stompy robots, it requires a certain, you know, believability about it, right? And yes. And having humanity decide the, you know, let's launch people, you know, a few dozen light years before, you know, maybe we should try this whole thing on Mars instead. Already was, yeah, tenuous disbelief, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I, the, honestly, light Lightyear Frontier feels more like a survival game. And I think that's part of the reason why I just slid off of it. And not even survival game as in, you know, you're building up resources, having to manage your uh, needs. Because it's not even that. It's feels like it's a sur- survival light game with farming tacked onto it. And I think this is part of the reason why I tried like Power World and just slid off of it. It felt very similar to me. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the mechanics of your farm doesn't really matter for your progress. There's no, like, community thing going on. Because whenever I think farming sim, I think, you know, like Harvest, Moon, Stardew, you know? You know, the two big ones, right? And while there is a core focus on farming, a lot of uh, what's going on is also about building up a community, finding your place in the community. And, like, your frontier just felt so utterly lonesome that I was honestly getting bored with it. Which is not a good sign whenever it's a, you know, a a demo of the opening area, right? Yeah. And I say that your farming doesn't really matter because uh, at a certain point, uh, looking at the tech tree, uh, a lot of it was locked off, but you could still see what's going on. There's, like, a lot of uh, semi-automation going on, where, you know, things with water and... But uh, the main progression system in this game is essentially clearing up the map in, uh, of this kind of weird, like, sludge that's contaminating the environment and finding relics for certain things... Uh, yeah, like, ooh, what's uh, this? Uh, yeah, building that was uh, that's here. That's, and this is supposed to be an abandoned planet. What's going on, right? Yeah, but there's no like radar or yeah you know, or, or anything that gives you an idea of. I, I mean, I understand. Yeah, you know, finding collectibles is a big you know, thing for a certain games, and the relic pieces was all localized in one area, so. It wasn't that big of a pain. And some of it required getting out of the back and traversing, like, a little cave, that sort of thing. You know, kind of neat, right? But finding the oozes too clean? You know, that should be, like, some sort of, like, radar upgrade or something. And there's nothing in the tech tree for that. It's all stomping around, hoping you stumble across an- uh, all of them. Uh, in order to unlock the next region, which then you get... I presumably do it again and again and again and again to unlock more areas, which gives you who knows what, right? It wasn't very clear. So it it was really a letdown. It's like a farming light game with a, a fueling an exploration game. And the exploration game felt very lackluster. So, yeah...
0: This game Uh, actually
1: releases in March, and it's going to be on Game Pass. Yeah, it's on Game Pass, so I might give it another shot uh, on its full release. But, uh, yeah, it went from a wish list to I guess I'll maybe play it on Game Pass if there's something else better to do. Which is so disappointing for me. Yeah. And there... it, It does one of the cardinal sins that Really, kind of bugs me whenever you are forced into a first-person cockpit view. Is that none of the gadgets or doodads of the cockpit do anything? As in, it's all static. And it, it, I know it's—I know it's picky as hell. And I have other things to say about this game. Uh, random notes that I've uh, that I took that, that are not this picky. But whenever you're, you. Uh, Crash land on this planet, and you fire up the mech for the first time. You go through the startup sequence, flip a bunch of switches, and that's yeah, you know, and that's it. Your dude never touches the controls again.
0: All systems nominal.
1: No, it doesn't even uh, have a, a neat little yeah, like boot up uh, uh, system uh, going on. It's just you flip a few switches, and that's it.
0: no oh, that's and lame. C-
1: and considering that you're constantly like switching through uh, like five different tools. Uh, to you know, be able to harvest stuff, to chop down trees, to dig up stuff, that sort of thing. It, there's, there's never a time that he just like flips us a switch or something. And I know it's petty, I know it's nitpicky, but it makes it so that instead of feeling like I'm piloting something, that everything that you're building just feels like it's way too tiny for your player character.
0: That's one of those details you have to get right, though. Like, that's, that's one of those small immersion things that if you don't get it right, it's noticeable. Like, if you, if you do get it right, nobody notices it. Nobody says anything. And maybe that's not fair like, or There's sucks, two or three pages
1: like, that are constantly just static, too. You know? It, yeah. it, it, it bugged, when I noticed it, it just bugged me. And like I said, it made it so that all the building stuff felt like it was on the wrong scale. Like I was building like doll houses, and the thing is that at least in the demo, you can just stay up all night. You know how like in practically every farming game ever, uh, whatever it's, you know, night time, uh, you're forced to go to sleep. And that, you, know, and, you know, you start the next day. No, you yeah. can stay up all night, and uh, it basically just ticks over the next day, and you're uh, and you just stay in your mech. Or if you're out of your mech uh, and the day takes over, it teleports you back to your mech and that's it. That's all. No forced sleeping mechanic. No uh, you know, tending things. No like building fast travel to get between like uh, outposts or anything. It's just disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of buildables, I did mention building a couple times and how it feels to the wrong scale. There is a couple interesting things with the with the building mechanic, so it's uh, the kind of, like, Fortnite system where it's built anywhere, you're, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get the right materials and you can just plop them down and it instantly builds. Yeah. what's well, fine, right? Yeah. It, it's serviceable. It's not amazing. It's not great. It it, it works and that's about it. Uh, uh, all your, or at least in the demo, uh, you have to build fields to, uh, uh, hold your crops. It does look like eventually uh, you get an upgrade that you can just till the ground itself uh, into fields. So that's neat, but yeah, you're starting off feel, having to build like essentially raised flower beds. Uh, and there's a interesting mechanic called the coziness mechanic. So basically around your tent that you, you'll honestly never use. Uh there's a perimeter around it, and building uh decorations around your tent raises how cozy your tent is and if you get it to a certain threshold, it uh levels up the coziness of your farm uh tent, you know whatever, and uh gives you certain buffs, so it kind of makes a reason to decorate your farm outside of just you know, making it look pretty. Which is interesting, because usually whenever you get a bunch of decorations, I honestly rarely use them. I don't know about you.
0: Depends on the game. There's some games that I
1: I use decorations a lot. Yeah, but for a farming-like game, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, they give some benefit. Uh, The one in the demo... It was uh, a chance to get double resources in the uh, in the world if your coziness was high enough. So you know you're out, you know, collecting random plants and getting to, getting seeds from them because you know there's no vendor. Uh, it'll give you like double seeds occasionally, which is neat. Yeah. Uh, there is some sort of like stock market, sort of like how Slime Rancher has it, where you know the, the things raise and lower in value over time. Uh, but I never unlocked the ability to sell my goods. Ever. I never unlocked it, even though I grew stuff. So I don't know, you know what the bar was for that, or if, there, if it was even the game. So that is a little troublesome. <laughs> you know, what's the point of a farming game if you can't sell your damn crop, right? Yeah. I'm assuming that you know, it has to unlock a lot sooner in the actual game. If not, then it's just dumb. But, uh, you know, taking back to even Slime Rancher, even though you didn't ha- really interact with other characters directly, you know, there was more than just a you know, single, semi-annoying uh, voiceover that would pop up every so often. You would have other entities uh, interacting with you, you know?
0: Yeah, in Sign Rancher you would get those uh letters or mm-hmm. messages from people back back home or from other you know, quote
1: unquote story
0: characters.
1: So. Yeah, well uh front like Frontier has a satellite that has a very like folksy, uh yeah you know, uh deep southern drawl uh voice to her. And I honestly just found her annoying. <laughs> I'm not not a a good uh start, right? Yeah uh, honestly, she felt like a grown-up uh, version of the uh girl robot from our last game club from Steam World Build. Gotcha. Yeah, she talked.: yeah she sounded t- sounded like a grown-up version of that. Well Gar staying, Paul? Uh, pretty much. What are we gonna do about it?
0: Yeah, I got you. I got you.
1: Uh, and also, another uh, building thing that they had was uh, they uh, have sheds that you can build uh, your, essentially, uh, machines into uh, that doubles the, uh, or gives a chance to double uh, your per- uh, production there. It seems like they like to double things a lot, which makes me really worried about the actual, you know, interesting gameplay loops going on. If that's, you know, like, right here, we'll just double it instead, right? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like uh, it's the kind of typical. you know, things take time to build. Uh, instead of uh, you know doing it instantly uh, with a uh, timer built in, so I'm assuming that there may be some sort of a uh, upgrade eventually that will uh, allow that to tick faster. You know, pretty honestly, it feels like a pretty bog standard farming like game with a a, a bog standard. Adventure game tacked onto it. Yeah. Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, the starter box is annoying. The starter storage box. Because it's the exact same storage size as your mech. Yeah, and yeah, I'm ended up just spamming those because you know, I, I, you know, I'm a hoarder. <laughs> of course. And you're told to go out and get a bunch of seeds. Well, you're get, collecting a lot of other shit because of it. And you can't go sell it yet. Um, um uh, upgrades uh, for the mech itself looked pretty like boring. It was like slightly faster, or yeah, you know, a bigger tank for this, or yeah, you know, uh, with no like new abilities. And the mech does have a jetpack, which is uh, slightly stronger than the wet fart that is in Starfield, but only just. And also, if you clip anything with, like, the mech's feet while you're jumping, uh, your mech's just going to... Well, ragdoll's not the proper word for it. It just kind of, you know, like, uh, freezes in uh, in a... Not a reference pose, but, you know, like, it's default pose. It just starts tumbling. And then you can get out and, yeah, flip it like a puma. (laughs) Puma. All right. Yeah, I mean... If this sounds like your cup of tea, yeah, you know, it's definitely worth trying on Game Pass. I'm not sure about buying the game because,
0: <sighs> all right. yeah, I'll definitely, almost definitely, give it a shot. Might as well, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have a it price doesn't sound on Steam. Right.
1: or I should say, it didn't, uh, it didn't uh, capture me at all. And it seemed like uh, every time yes, there was something interesting, is like two or three steps backwards. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your game?
0: Right, right, right. Uh, my game. So my first one, this will only take a few moments to go through. Uh, it's called Melon Maker. Not those melons, unfortunately. Um, this is a mobile game that is a little bit of a physics puzzle game where that you are trying to combine fruit in order to get a different, slightly larger type of fruit. And you go all the way up until you get watermelons. And if you get two watermelons, they touch and they disappear. Um, But you have got a limited uh, sort of space in which to to do this, to match these colors, and you stack them up vertically. Um, And they are all spherical. So you run into situations where they block each other off, or they bounce around, or they roll. Oh, you're saying the melons bounce? The melons bounce. Um, I don't know who in my house started playing it first. But by Sunday last week, um, we were all playing it. And at the time, it was like... Well, I wonder what happens if you get two watermelons and combine them together. Cause it shows you like a list of what they all combine into like next down the line. And the list makes it look like they're going to turn back into blueberries, which are the, the starting things. Um, and so we all played this game, couple, three rounds every single day, uh, trying to, to combine two watermelons to see what would happen. And Katie was the one who got it mm-hmm. and they disappear when two watermelons, uh, touch each other. Which makes sense, but also it's kind of lame. I think it would be neat if they turned back into a blueberry. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's a mobile game. You have to watch ads to start a game. Um, If you lose and you want to delete something from your board so you can keep trying, you have to watch an ad for that. You can spend, like, two or three bucks to have ads removed from the game. It's, It's pretty fun, though. Like, it's just, like, a simple, like dropping puzzle game essentially but it's pretty good it's pretty compelling it's got a cute little song that plays and all of the fruit have like cute like chibi faces and it's endearing um certainly not bad uh, it's definitely not great put us for a mobile game that you can fire up play for five ish minutes um and then know whether or not you you accomplished your goal or not That's Pretty good for, uh, for a mobile title. So. It's decent. It's, I mean, it's on Android, so I assume it's also on iPhone. Um, it's just called Melon Maker. Mm-hmm. Good game.
1: So, back to space? Back to space! Uh, so, my other game that played a demo of for DexFest is Star Trucker, which is like the bastard child of, like, uh, well, Euro Truck slash American... Uh, actually, I would say more American Truck, just based off the truck types. Uh, and now I'm blanking on uh, uh, Space Game uh, hauling a lot of shit uh, uh,
0: that you played way
1: too much of. There's several. Not, not X. There's Elite
0: Dangerous. Elite there's...
1: Dangerous, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. And once again, yeah, like 10 minutes into it, I get the feeling that... Oh no, this is really not for me. This is not for me. Oh shit, they're doing this, really? So let's start off with the good. I really, really like how they incorporate CB radio in this game. A lot of trucking games and a lot of hauling games. Yeah, it's a very singular experience. Yeah, it's very solo. And in this, they go right off the bat introducing other characters, and being able to interact with them uh, through the CB radio. And and yes, they talk exactly how you think they would in Star Trucker. Very, <laughs> very, very, very rural. Okay? Uh, think of, like, every Trucker movie from, like, the 70s. They talk exactly like that.
0: Smokey and the Bandit.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the cast could have been, like, out of Smokey the Bandit. Right. And it is glorious for that. And that's about all the praise I have for this game. <laughs> okay, th- I will say that, uh, theming-wise, uh, they, uh, they really nail it. Uh, you know, it lo- you know, they really make it look like, this looks like a tractor trailer in space, right? Right. But... Where this game started to lose me was when it started talking about, okay, you need to flip this switch. Look at this switch and then click on it. Yes, it's one of those games where every single control. There's no like hot keys or no buttons. At least as far as I could tell, it's all look down, uh, flip physical control. Look down, uh, adjust this dial. Look down. Do this, do that, do that. And I fucking hate these type of games. Because they always play so cumbersomely. They always feel like to me, YouTuber PewDiePie bait or whatever you wanna call it these days, where it's meant to be very tough to control. Not as a difficulty thing, but a haha, this is gonna be funny when they screw up. So that yeah, that was like the first thing, you know? Then it was starting to drive around. So, there's essentially like two modes for your truck. There's I'm just going to call it inertial dampeners because I can't recall what they actually called it. I didn't make a note of it. Uh, There's the inertial dampeners on, which is basically driving uh, you have to hold down uh, I think it's space to go forward. Uh and if you, you let off of it you your trucks quickly starts to lose speed. Then there's inertial dampeners off, which it it behaves a lot more like a, a space game. However, the game expects you to follow like these uh almost like interstates. And uh yeah. and going essentially off the road, you can and you're not really penalized for it but there's a lot of, like, space junk off, uh, off the uh, beaten path. And you quickly start to, you know, take hull damage, and then you have to uh, jump in your spacesuit, uh, go outside, uh, you know, slap some uh, more patches on your uh, rig, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Hope that you didn't lose too much air, or, because, you know, then you're going to have to repressurize your uh, uh, spaceship, that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. It feels very, like I said, cumbersome. And then there's the power mechanics. So, what, uh, what, uh, you know, almost YouTube bait uh, space game isn't complete without having to swap out batteries. So, scattered around your ship are various ports for power uh, cells. And uh, pretty early on in the demo, uh, your gravity system uh, loses power. And yes, exactly what happens, uh, uh, what you think would happen when your gravity system loses power, shit goes flying. And when shit goes flying, you're left trying to figure out, okay, now where is the case that has all the power cells? Where did that fly off to?
0: <clears throat> right.
1: And I'm sure for some people that's a lot of fun. But for me, it's fucking maddening. And then trying to figure out where to uh, put the uh, power cell in. Because, like I said, there's several spots where uh, a power cell could go in. And also, a essentially, a fuse. There's uh, two things. And it basically, mm-hmm. if you uh, overload a system, it'll trigger the fuse and you have to replace it. Or if you uh, swap the power cell incorrectly uh, when it's not... Uh, uh, the Turned off in the breaker system, uh, well, pa- uh, trip the fuse, you have a few different things. So, the tutorial is terrible about telling you how to do something. It'll say, okay, well, just go do this. Doesn't mention where uh, it is. There's no markers. It's just, okay, do this uh, uh, before um, you freeze to death, by the way, because uh, you you just lost main power and it's starting to get a little chilly in here. Oh no. Yeah, it's one of those games. So I eventually figured out where the power uh, cell uh, is I was supposed to swap out. So as you might expect for a space uh, truck, it's a little bit bigger than yeah, uh, you know, a terrestrial truck. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah, you know, like uh you get a little uh, bunk in the back, and that's it to sleep in. Instead, you know, get up, and walk around, and like I said, there's multiple places where uh, power cells could go. Well, the one that you have to swap out in the demo, you have to go downstairs into your like personal cargo hold, where I assume that you could also gather stuff eventually. Turn around, uh, you press uh, the action button on the steps. And the steps raise us up and there it is. Mm-hmm. You know, about as hidden as you can get in a, you know, a single room, right? <laughs> and mind you, now I have to figure out where the uh, uh, cra- uh, with power cells went off to. Oh, uh, oh, well they're not down here. I better lower the steps. Oh no, it won't let me lower the steps because it's uh, saying something's in the way and it won't uh, do that. Well, I just soft off the demo. Well, fuck, right? Whoopsie-daisy. So, yeah, I ended up having to, yeah, essentially restart it, because uh, I got soft-blocked. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, not a good look. Not a good look, gotta admit. Nope. Uh, swapped out the power cell, uh, tripped the fuse, and, you know, swapped out the fuse, and then the systems went not turning back on. I couldn't figure out why, <laughs> because that game doesn't tell you uh, how uh, to reset things. There's a breaker box, and I started flipping breakers. And, yeah. Uh, I got some systems to work again, but not all of them. So, yeah. Uh, that was kind of like the end of the demo for me. But there were some other things that kind of cheesed me off before that. That, that was like the cherry on top, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I've played too many space games to, uh, to be able to enjoy this game. Uh, or at least the flight mechanics. The reason why is that whenever, you know, let's pick a game almost at random. Kerbal Space Program. When you have thrusters on a ship and you're wanting to go, like, down, how would you do that in Kerbal, right? Uh, You have uh, thrusters on the front, on the back, on uh, the sides, and on the top and on the bottom. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You would expect, you know, like an RCS system to go down, right? Correct. Right. Not in this game. Instead, whatever you press, yeah, you know, like W to uh, tilt down because it's—I pr- believe it—at least does the inverted flight controls. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so it handles more like an airplane. Uh, instead of uh, yeah, you know, like transitioning down, especially if you don't have a trailer on, so you know it's. Literally just, yeah, you're bobtailing a uh, tractor. Instead, it just rotates the ship for whatever reason. And it and it behaves more like a rotating driving game than it does a spaceship. Which just annoyed me. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Once again, very nitpicky. But at the same time, I've played too many space games to... I, I know how a spaceship... Uh, is supposed to handle in at least the arcade sense, you know? And not hitting that right just felt weird to me.
0: Which is understandable.
1: Uh, especially whenever the game really uses its 3D... Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, the third dimension for driving around. So instead of being able to transition to be able to, like, park... So whenever you start the demo, you have a sort uh short sequence where you get in your spacesuit, power it up, go outside patch up uh your uh your uh rig, and go through a, essentially a jump gate and uh take uh the load that you had uh you had a, a slight accident before the demo started uh and you uh take park that uh load then you go to a a space dock. Uh, uh, get a new uh, contract. Yeah, showing you the basic loop. But whenever you're trying to park, you don't have any transition controls. It's basically, you know, driving backwards and forwards doing an Austin power turn. If you know you're not lined up properly, even if it's you know trying to you know, get your ship more vertical in the process, it just felt re- really like I was missing the mark on that. Um.
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't think I have any questions to ask. Are you? Would you like to hear about space game?
1: I was just looking at my notes to see if there was anything else that I didn't really. Uh, oh, oh, one other thing is that the cameras also suck. All right, so it, it's like you're like a grandma driving because the game has to uh, have the idea that you're going to look down and uh, manipulate controls. So right. it can't have you setting up too high because you know, like in a Euro or American truck because you know, you're going to look down you're know, not going to be at the right angle to really be able to yeah, click on things very well. So instead, you're like lower down than you really uh, need to be. So your vision is slightly obscured. If you go to a third-person view, well, it, the camera's so damn close that it's bumping into the trailer. It's not like you don't have like a good like option for a third person view and the in, uh cockpit view does have a couple monitors that you could click through for different view modes, but they're all just like cameras just you know, bolted onto the hall uh, with the addition of a docking camera, which the docking camera is kind of nice. I will admit having built in docking camera is a good idea because you know, we've all been there in Kerbal, right? Right. And just there's just so many little things that this game misses.
0: <sighs> yeah, that sucks. Because when I saw it, um, oh, the first time it showed up on on Steam or some the first place I saw it, I was like, "Ooh, space trucking! I could do space trucking." But like everything that you have said about it when we talked about it earlier, and then reinforcing it tonight to me is is just like, "No, thank you. I'll I'll skip that probably."
1: So. I mean, it's a damn shame because yeah, you know, the concept works, you know?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: It's just, yeah, you know, it doesn't hit the mark. Or at least to me. Once again, it's not supposed to release till later this year. So they could change things. Uh, they could up de- upgrade things. But, yeah. It, 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 uh, it, it's very much going the like the whole survival st- style thing as well, yeah. Which I don't want on that. To me, yeah, uh, you know, a, a chunk of games supposed to be yeah, you know, like yep you know, fire up and yeah, you know, like uh, unplug, right?
0: Yep. The most but- survival you need to worry about is not being pulled over by the cops, and mm-hmm. if there's an economy system, making sure you can pay your bills.
1: But whatever, I'm having to, like, you know, hunt around on the dashboard for the right switch or, you know, like, okay, now you need to decouple your trailer. Look to your left and uh, click on that big red uh, switch. Why?
0: That might work fine in VR, but in otherwise, in any other situation, it's just cumbersome.
1: Yeah, it just feels like, almost like a VR game, yeah. And... I can only imagine the hell this would be if you're playing on ga- on a gamepad.
0: Yeah. Well, would you like to hear about the mm-hmm. space trucking I'm doing? Uh, sure. So, um, I am going back to play X4. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a, a pre, pre-game, and then next week, or maybe in two weeks, because game club uh, discussion, mm-hmm. you'll get a, a post- game. I'm taking, you know, a, a little a little staycation. Um which I mentioned earlier, taking a little staycation and um I like to pick a game when I'm doing that and play through that game, beat that game, or spend a lot of time in it if it's a game that's not technically beatable. Um at
1: least have that attitude.
0: And I, I picked X4. Um, I have put previously about two hundred and fifty hours or so into X4 playing before any of the DLC released. Um, and now they've had four DLC releases. I bought a couple of them on the Steam sale last year and the other two on the Steam sale this year. And I'm going to be playing through it. I've started playing it a little bit recently, the last few days to kind of get through the the basics of like, how's it that you play this game again? And to figure out what mods I want to install um, my mod list currently is up to thirty-seven mods. Although a bunch of the mods are like it adds spaceships from the previous games or from sci-fi uh, universes, that kind of stuff. Um, and then there are several that are like script mods, um, or well, not script mods, but scripts that other mods can pull from. Um, uh, a lot of what I'm looking at though is are things to just sort of improve the UI, add a little bit of extra functionality to some of the. Auto orders you can give your ships things that maybe you could do with multiple commands, but it's like simplifies it to one command kinda kind of deal um but thirty thirty seven things installed in total, according to vortex, the nexus mod manager, but what x four is I mean the x series goes back twenty years, maybe a little more um and it is an open world open universe sandbox game where that as the player you get as close to total freedom as i think any one of these types of games gives you there are ongoing storylines and you can pick various starts um for your your base character to put them in sort of a particular position in the galaxy or give them a certain amount of starting equipment um but for the most part, it the game just turns you loose and says, okay, this is your sandbox, go play in it. And you can do everything from pilot little fighters to piloting, piloting mining ships, trading vessels, capital ships. You can get off in the weeds, build carrier attack groups, or um, build space station, uh, like defense space stations to control choke points on the map. Um, you can build massive... Um, complex uh like space station complexes to build any any item any trade good any vessel any piece of equipment in the game you can build it um you have to collect the blueprints there are various ways to do that mission rewards buying them stealing them um but if you see it in the game it one serves a purpose and two, you can create it on your own, um, and that's that's like the big point of the game. And there's some story stuff from the 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 background of the game, um, you know, various alien races and factions and jump gates and etc. And there's a pretty long-standing sort of universe canon, but it's your sandbox and you get to play in it. The DLCs add stuff to the game. Some of it. is is, you know more ships more factions um uh additional story or mission content that you can follow which the missions you know like i said they give you some special rewards um they give you uh um a way to interact with that lore if you're interested in learning more um and there there is sort of a quote-unquote main storyline that you can follow that uh Involves you getting your player HQ, which is a unique space station that has some extra properties to it that are that are beneficial to you. And then allows you to do research projects to improve your equipment. Um, but, you know, the, so the DLC adds more ships, more space station stuff, um, additional functionality and tweaks to the game. Um, but some of the big ones, a couple of the big ones that I'm most looking forward to is the, really the biggest one, is the Terran expansion, which re-adds Earth and that sort of branch of the storyline um, from the lore, which they have their own very separate, very weird and wacky technology. Um, in, in the lore, humans on Earth, you know, they get to space, they discover these jump gates, they create... Artificial intelligence, and of course it goes awry, and um, humanity gets split into multiple factions, and there are, I mean, there are alien races, but there are several human factions that because of what happened with the artificial intelligence and them creating these massive, like, war fleets and terraforming fleets, um, you know, the the human uh, factions become disparate and separated, but I believe it was an X3 was the first time that they reintroduced Terra into the into the mix. And so, you know, they come back and they have completely different like build trees and tech and um use different systems for certain things. Um so that it brings that in and lets you kind of explore that and it adds terraforming. Um planets in in the X series have always been part of the skybox. Um something that you can see and maybe there's a little lore about if you click on them and learn some information, but you can't do anything with it. And while you can't land, like, it it says explicitly, like, you cannot go land on the planets, but you can watch the planets and the systems change, you can interact with them in ways, and they serve as, like, end-game resource sinks. Um, as you terraform planets, they give you additional rewards, they can change your faction standing with other major factions in the game, some of them pretty drastically. Like, there are several races and factions that are like nomadic because their homeworld was destroyed or uh climate change or pollution and so you go fix it and then suddenly they go from being like a pirate faction to like a major sort of main faction because you fix their planet and you give it back to them. Um pretty neat stuff. I'm looking forward to that. There was someone online uh that or th- there's a guide online that talks you through sort of how the system works and it's like for the main quest or the main mission that gives you that capability and teaches you how to do it, it takes um, 8.5 billion credits in order to purchase everything that you need.
1: Final so it's like, if, two.
0: If, you're, if you're making all of your own stuff, obviously that changes the calculation, but it's like, he's like, if you just buy everything, it would take you 8.5 billion credits to complete this mission, which, you know, A billion is, like, an unfathomable number to a person, but, like, within the context of the game, the best I have ever done in my previous playthrough was, uh, my, like, my total accumulated credits over the entirety of the time played was, like, 500 million. So, gonna, gonna have to work on that. Gotta, gotta, gotta get in that grind set. But I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be the big game I play during my my time off. Um, and uh, in a couple of weeks, I will have a post-scriptum to report on this and talk about my experiences. I don't know if I'll get the terraforming done, but uh, I'm looking forward to all the faction quests that they added. Um, X4 does do missions better than the previous X series of games did. And while the missions are really more of side content as opposed to running your space empire, sometimes you have a long wait time between what your goals are. Um, and uh, so you need things to do to fill, fill in the gaps. And I don't always like mining in these games. I don't always like going fighting. You know, I mix it up. But I'm to be able to do some different stuff too. So anyways, X4. Get to hear about how that goes in a couple of weeks. Woo! And those are the games that, uh, that we played. Are you ready to do the news? Uh,
1: no. Oh, L- Let's okay. try again tomorrow. Okay. Good night. Hey, to be fair, you did ask. True. True.
0: All right. Our first news topic of the night. Ubisoft CEO defends Skull and Bones $70 price despite... <laughs> Wait, did I get those out of order? I did get those out of order. Fuck. Are
1: you I the one backwards. that copied them.
0: I got them backwards. I put them backwards in the uh, reset. News topic number one: crazy news for Crazy Taxi.
1: Oh, Crazy Taxi! That that's an arcade hit, uh, classic these days, huh?
0: Yeah, I like Crazy Taxi. Um, you know, I don't like love it. I don't have like this crazy history with it, but uh, I remember crazy, playing it yeah. in ah. Uh, Uh, But I remember playing it in arcades. Um, Yeah, I played
1: it in. uh, uh, I want to say the Pizza Hut Derby. When I. uh, Well, not growing up, but, you know. Uh, Yeah. I had Crazy Taxi, or it was somewhere nearby that I was able to play it a few times. Uh, But I've also played it in emulation because Yarg. Yeah.
0: Was it Sega? Genesis or Sega Saturn? Uh, Dreamcast. Oh, Dreamcast, okay. Yeah, I've played play it both on... Well, I've, I've played it on console, whichever console it was, Dreamcast, and I've played it in the arcade.
1: Uh, um, just double-checking. You know, it would uh, be nice that it would have uh, the consoles on it uh, up front. Uh, uh, it does look like there's a Crazy Taxi classic uh, that you could play on your phone. It's nifty, I guess. Yeah. Doesn't look like it's a paid uh, app, so I don't know uh, if it's just Adren uh, Tripe or what. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you, Google, for that one. <laughs> uh, I was just uh, wanting to see what uh, it released on, and uh, Google said, uh, the Sega Deomi. <laughs> Thanks. Right? <laughs> yep.
0: Alright, I pulled up the articles now.
1: So, there are... There's a couple different ones. So, uh, the main one is Crazy Taxi promising to be a full AAA release, which doesn't need to be. I mean, really. It's so
0: interesting to think about that. Like, the, the AAA moniker is dubious at best in the modern day, but like, Oh, and but, uh, it was
1: Dreamcast, by the way, or at least the initial release. Okay, it was ported to PlayStation Two, GameCube, computer, and sequels appearing on uh, Xbox, uh, Game Boy Advance, and PlayStation Portable.
0: But I don't, I don't know what you could do to to Crazy Taxi to and keep it be Crazy Taxi while also making it be a quote unquote triple A title. Um.
1: And unless they it's... add, like, some sort of weird story mode.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The only thing that comes to mind is, like, a weird story mode, some kind of open-world thing. Or, like, a Burnout-style game, like Burnout Paradise. I could see that. That feels within the scope of Crazy Taxi.
1: But but uh, to me, Crazy Taxi just feels like it would be a really good, like, double-A game, you know? yeah. A decent budget, maybe enough money thrown at it to get the offspring back, right? Yeah. Call it crazy. And this is one of those times that gaming, uh, advertising in a game actually makes sense, because remember, they had, like, Pizza Hut and uh, shit in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is one so, of those rare games outside of sports games that, you know, advertising in the game actually would make sense. But, uh, yeah. But now
0: the other article that's part of this is... <laughs> God, I'm just laughing at it. Oh, it's so absurd. New Crazy Taxi Game will be live service with 100-person survival mode, it's claimed. Now, now,
1: this one is a, a rumor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's posted by Insider Gamer, so it's not my one of my typical games uh, sites I go to. But it's also... Does it look like it's a satire site? It looks like yeah, you know, it actually yeah, you know, ha- covers a fair amount of stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, you know, they're also talking about the Switch 2 and uh, some other stuff on the, the rumor uh, uh, side. So, you know, it seems somewhat legit that they at least put some effort into it. So, a, a Crazy Taxi live service game. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, are, 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 are they... Go- oh... Oh, oh! I just had a thought. I, I, I have a thought. I, it's a terrible thought. and I'm going to share this thought. They're going to simulate the arcade experience by making you pay uh, fifty cents uh, every time you want to play.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> put it past them. Would not, not for one second would I put that past them. They absolutely would do that. But I don't. I could kind. of... You know, we were talking about this while we were setting up. I could kind of see a 100-person, you know, yeah, that's like the, a Battle Royale mode.
1: Uh, Rumors that uh, it's going to have some sort of Battle Royale mode, or a 100-person survival mode is what they call it, but the uh, thing is, I do have a soft spot for Battle Royale games that aren't, you know, Fortnite clones.
0: Yeah, and really, I think that just Crazy Taxi in general could work. You know, you get a giant map, you start with 100 people or whatever, and they just do Crazy Taxi all in the same place. And it's like, you know, there's limited fares. The circle gets smaller as time goes on. Or, and just, sort of... or
1: just fares start to dry up on the outside and uh, try to... It doesn't even have to be, like, a hard barrier. Just, you know, fares start to dry up on, like, the outskirts of the city and starts moving towards this particular spot. It could be an organic barrier. Yeah. And, and, and players can interact with one another, you know. You could, uh, full-on ramming, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, Forza Horizon, with their, uh, Battle I'll Royale mode. Back. Yeah. Elim- Eliminator. I, I like that mode. I, I don't want to play it all the time, but it's fun. It works with the car thing, you know, with the, the arcadey stuff, and jumps, and ramming, and, you know, beating other players. Like, it works. So I could actually see Crazy Taxi... Being or having a battle royale mode of some kind, yeah, they call it whatever they want to, but a battle royale mode. I, I don't see how Crazy Taxi works as a live service. Like,
1: whoever All I, think I can think of is some sort of focus on. Oh, oh, oh! They're gonna, they're gonna triple out the uh, uh, characters. Oh, uh, yeah. Because remember, there, there's actually a pretty big cast in what you start. Getting into the sequels and the spin-off games. Uh, let's see. Character's Crazy Taxi. So, let's see. There's four in the first one. Another four in the second one. Completely different, by the way. Uh, there's two, three, four... Uh, and another four in the third. So, you start dribbling out, like, cosmetics form and that sort of thing... I can see where it could get monetization for a live service game. I'm not saying that's a good idea. I'm saying that's a terrible one. But I definitely see where they might be targeting, or even cosmetics for the taxis. Because wasn't there a couple options once you start unlocking things,
0: yeah. or if it
1: was, or if it was tied to the characters? I can't remember which.
0: I I can't remember. It's been. At least a decade since I've I've seen Crazy Taxi anywhere, let alone played it. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't remember.
1: So yeah, oh, uh, can you imagine like a battle pass for Crazy Taxi? A hundred person survival. Oh, I, I fucking hate this industry. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there there was an article that we had in the docket at one point that 95% of uh, studios were either considering or working on uh, some sort of games of service thing. And yeah, this might be one of those where uh, it was a-, a game that they wanted to reboot and it's like, and an executive uh, it's, it's like, yeah, we can make this a live service. We can make it a Battle oh. Royale. Woo. Go. And, and, th- and that's the thing is that I could see battle royale work the, as a secondary mode, but not the primary for Crazy Taxi.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I said I could see battle or see Crazy Taxi as a battle royale, I, I am talking about like a secondary or separate mode.
1: Because I'm still enjoying F 99, and that's technically a battle royale. One of my favorite uh, battle royales was Mario thirty five, where you know it was the platformer. You know, yeah. So having a alternative gameplay loop to a Battle Royale is my jam, you know? But if I'm playing Crazy Taxi, I want to just, you know, do shit. I don't want to have to deal with other players. You know, I don't want to have to deal with people. I deal with people enough on a day-to-day basis. Me too, homie. (laughs) Alright. Oh, and also they're talking about possibility of an open world concept for it as well. With uh, a focus on exploration, which I can see exploration working for Crazy Taxi, Uh, but once you get to a certain size map, it's going to be very long trips. Which, once again, is not Crazy Taxi.
0: Yeah. Which is why I said Burnout, or you know, the the Mm -hmm. Burnout games, you know, Burnout Paradise comes to mind. the, The quickest.
1: Well, when it comes to games as a service, I am burnt out.
0: Hey. Well, let's, uh, let's go talk about some French people who are also burnt out. <laughs> 700 workers strike in France over failed salary negotiations. Uh, that is Ubisoft workers, I should say, in France. Um, so this story is one that I had heard some about uh, prior to recording this, I heard about it mm, into last week, I think, is when the news or when when this happened.
1: Um, uh, this broke Friday, or this particular article. Okay, I, I
0: think I heard about it on Saturday then. But the gist of what's, what's going on is that Ubisoft France, um, their studio in France, um, they were having their annual um, union negotiations on, on pay raises. Um, last year, Ubisoft did not give its employees, and, and I mean this is everywhere, but specifically within this context, we're talking about Europe and uh, France, even more specifically. So, Ubisoft did not give its workers a pay raise that uh, kept up with inflation. Yeah, they
1: offered the- uh, reportedly between 2 and 3%.
0: Yes, and inflation last year was what 8%, 9%. <laughs> so, they they did they did not give them a pay raise that that worked with inflation. And the union basically said, "Okay. This is like a crazy weird year. We're going to we're going to let it slide this one year. Next year, you're going to come back and you're going to make us a better offer." And Ubisoft is not making them a better offer this year. They offered them again another like 2 or 3%. And uh, negotiations broke down, and so the union said, okay, fuck it, we're striking. Tomorrow, nobody go to work. We're striking now. I mean, you know, they, they well, the union voted to strike. They voted in favor of striking, and uh, so then the strike began, but that is that is the, the short version of, of what's happening here. The power of
1: unions, right?
0: The power of unions. Listen, I love Unions. I'm very very pro union. <laughs> so, I'm very happy to see the union union doing this. And and let's let's also be real. Nobody protests like the French. Mhm. Um so Yeah,
1: because the French do love to revolt.
0: They do. They sure do love a guillotine.
1: <laughs> I was about to mention it.
0: I don't know if we're going to get a guillotine on this one, but I wouldn't be upset. Um it also should be noted, and while it probably doesn't need to be said, just to make it explicit, uh, Ubisoft executive pay did increase uh, dramatically. Mm-hmm. And it is believed, to my knowledge, this hasn't been outright stated, but I mean, you know, we've seen this happen multiple times in, with multiple other studios within the industry. Uh, the low payway raises for employees were to make up for the large pay raises for the executives.
1: Of course, right?
0: Of course. So, that's, that's the gist of the story, though. Um, the power of unions. We should uni- everyone should unionize. We should all be a part of a union. I'm, I'm a part of the closest thing that I have to a union as a counselor. Um, I pay my yearly dues. Um, I enjoy certain benefits that comes with it. And voting on the conference, our like yearly conferences. And, like, uh, last year... Yeah, last year... Um, We successfully lobbied Congress to, like, United States Congress, to adjust how uh, Medicare pays for counseling services to make it to where that Medicare recipients can both get more counseling and can see more types of counselors. And that that went into effect January 1 of this year. So
1: unions work. Yeah, I wish lobbyists weren't a thing, but... At least it's using it for positive uh, impact for once.
0: Yeah. But, you know, on, on a more direct level, unions for companies, good. I'm happy to see them, the unions doing something. I mean, this is going, this type of thing is going to keep happening on both sides of it. Companies are going to keep trying to be companies. And uh, with, you know, increasing developing stories and issues revolving around AI to, um, Eliminate certain positions to try to fill them with, with AI, and the disaster that's going to be. Um, there have already been unionization efforts to to stop that in in the games industry, and it's just like I feel like there are going to be many more uh, protests to come, protests, strikes, etc. Many more to come.
1: I figured this was going to be all your article, right? Yeah, well, do you, I mean, do you have anything that you would like uh, to say or add? Uh, well, I hope they uh, break out the baguettes and uh, beat the uh, Ubisoft uh, CEOs. Uh,
0: I hope they break... Have you seen the stuff about the farmers in France who've been protesting? Yes. Yeah. Those. They should con- uh, call up the farmers and get some, some shit to dump into the Ubisoft offices.
1: Yeah, but would you be able to tell the difference between uh, that and the CEOs? I bet the CEOs
0: smell nicer. For for anybody who doesn't know, there's, and I don't know the details. Well, well to be
1: fair, they are French, though.
0: <laughs> but, um, I, I don't know the full details. I have not paid as much attention to this, but there is something going on with farmers in France or potentially the EU at large.
1: Uh, it's the EU at large. Uh, basically, from my brief understanding, is, uh, the EU is pushing forward, uh, uh, green initiatives and essentially small farmers aren't able to make a profit off of uh, uh while uh, meeting these new mandates or at least uh, they claim they're not able to I mean that's also kind of the other thing right
0: yeah I would I would I would imagine that, that they
1: probably can't compete those small farms yeah that sucks. <laughs> Uh, that's the problem. Is that uh, especially in the U.S., there Farming. are small farms, but it's all corporations pretty much now.
0: Yeah, corporations have bought up a bunch of the small farms, so they're more. I guess the easiest way to say this they're more like franchise farms. But as someone who grew up on a small farm, who at one point we made our income selling selling crops, like it's it's really hard being a farm like i mean we have to have food and the the margins of profit on food are so low so much of 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 the farming industry is propped up by government subsidies because nobody wants to farm uh-huh. farming sucks but we all have to to eat so somebody's got to do it and so prices are artificially kept low in order to make food affordable, I mean air quotes affordable, um, and that means um, I'm not that, sure if
1: you've been to the uh, supermarket lately with that word, <laughs> right? Air, well, that's what the air quotes are for.
0: But um, and and so you know they keep prices are kept low, and farmers are able to get paid through you know subsidies and, and whatnot, and um, just the economies of scale that these large corporate farms or factory farms. Have just blow small farmers out of the water because farming equipment is not cheap,
1: uh, um, especially with uh, some of the issues with farming equipment where you literally can't work on it,
0: yeah, like John Deere is the most notorious for that, but they're not the only one, so it's you know like i don't know what the I guess the average person thinks that like a tractor costs to buy, but to buy one that is you know modern and you know, has everything that you need to operate at you know maximum efficiency to meet um emissions regulations and to be able to work with you know computerized networked equipment. Like farming is ex- is extremely technologically advanced at this point. You're looking at a quarter of a million dollars, and you know you can you can buy used or you can go older tech and and come out cheaper. But it's it's like. That's a lot for somebody to eat. Like, I can't, you know, I, I don't know anybody personally who could, who could like eat $250,000 cost of, of <coughs> that equipment.
1: Well, it depends. Is, is ketchup involved?
0: It could be. It's a farm. You can make your own, but, you know. But so, yeah, so farming uh, I mean, is extremely
1: is, expensive. Yeah, this is the Czech farmers, but uh, the main complaints are uh, EU farm policy. Uh, market distortions and low purchase prices coming from a surplus uh cheap imports outside the block, and also uh, the Green Deal uh, have to comply with that uh, with the EU's Green Deal. So uh, that's yeah. also kind. Of, it sounds like there's not much in the way of subsidies, like the United States has to try to keep farmers, you know, uh, yeah. on the farm. Yeah,
0: but so all of that to explain the backstory of the point that. Uh, French farmers are real mad about it, and so they took, uh, they have been taking manure, which is, you know, shit, animal shit, and dumping it in the, the offices of their local government officials, just filling it up in the lobbies, stacking it up against the door, leaving it in the parking lot, like, whatever, like, they're just dumping animal feces everywhere. It's great, I love it.
1: Yeah, somewhere Biff Tannen is that a sweating uh, bullets.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. So, anyways. Uh, yeah. From, from, from one Ubisoft article to the next for our Community Corner this week, Ubisoft CEO defends Skull & Bone's $70 price tag despite its live service leanings, <laughs> calls it a quadruple a-, a- uh. game.
1: Oh, well, obviously it's not related to quality. No, definitely I, not. I, have you uh, seen energy use for Skull and Bones?
0: Absolutely not. I don't give a shit. Uh, I just okay. don't care. I've not been
1: interested in the game. I uh, was I was vaguely interested just you know, when they initially announced it like a decade ago now. <laughs> Mostly because, ooh, what are they going to do with this, right? Uh, how are they going to put towers in this game, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I seem to remember When they first announced it Skull and Bones was like a third person Like almost tactical game You know Yeah. Uh, so yeah it was Intriguing
0: My, if I, Sorry if I remember correctly Skull and Bones was essentially like Oh people really Like the naval battles From Assassin's Creed 3 and flag. Black Flag So let's make an entire game about that that was my understanding of what Skull and Bones was supposed to be, way back, yeah. many
1: years ago now. Uh, okay, so I watched Skill-Up's review. He did a 45-minute review on this game. And his whole thing was, if you ignore the backstory of, you know, people wanted uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, only more of it, uh, of the naval battles, and you ignore the price tag, and you ignore this. It's a okay game, but with all the baggage of Ubisoft essentially gutting out what the people wanted. It's ridiculous that they're asking this much for it, but, uh, and including the live-service shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, let's put it this way. Okay, you can go out on foot, but unlike uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, it's only in certain spots. There's no hand-to-hand combat whatsoever. So, like, if you're boarding a ship, it's a cutscene, all right. But uh, you know how Bethesda has got uh, the game uh, uh, looped down to you can fast travel there. For Ubisoft, this it's uh, you can cutscene it. Hmm. Uh, you it's plays more at least according to skill up as almost a survival game with uh some PvP elements tacked on if you wish to engage with them, but you don't have to at all. And there is a technically a story, but it reads more like MMO's loose uh, rendition of a story uh, tacking together a bunch of fetch quests, which is not what I think people are wanting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, probably not.
1: Uh, It's just... Ridiculous that it took 11 years to, uh, to ship this out. It's going to be a fascinating documentary someday of what happened behind the scenes and how many different versions of this game uh, came out. Or, interesting, or, 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 or was worked on, I should say.
0: It'll be interesting to see what Jake uh, Jason Schreier has to say about uh-huh. this. Yeah. When, when that When that tell-all article comes out in a few months.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Godspeed to you, good sir, godspeed.
1: Uh, but but the fact that not only the $70 price tag, again, but having the absolute goal of calling it uh, quadruple-A, wow, right?
0: Yeah. Our game is so good, it's going to create a new category. <laughs> what well, it's creating a, a new category, shit.
1: but it's not a positive one.
0: If it, I'm guessing that it's not going to... But if it came to Game Pass, I would play it.
1: I mean, that's yeah, about it the does. It way. does not. Yeah, because I'm not really out. Oh, well, the skill a uh, put thirty dollar price tag on it. Saying, so, yeah, you know, if you can get it on sale for like thirty bucks, it, uh, it'll be uh, a, a decent time, especially down the road if they continue to uh, add content to it. Because there is a fair amount of like group level essentially like raid events going on uh, in the world that you yeah, spot every so often uh, that you have to you know uh ally with other players to uh, tackle yeah however, yeah you know, once again, you're looking at a live service game and you know one of these days those servers are going to go offline and i it just i have a uh, a of uh, games like that these days. I mean, I didn't buy it, but the crew is uh, due to go offline like a month or two now. Yeah. Which I know it's an older game now. However, you know, it's like the one good crew game.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before many times discussing live services the idea that it's they oversaturate the market, it can only support so many. We're going to keep seeing this happen until the genre dies down some. And then you'll have a few that that stick around that were really popular and and remain so. But it's just yeah. like, yeah,
1: yeah. And there's only so many hours in the day. If I could only play so many games, you know. Don't, yeah. believe me, I would love to be able to play more. <laughs> but there's, uh, it, it becomes a chore. At, uh, these live services, game, these live service games. You know, got to pop on. You know, do my th- stuff real quick. I gotta go over this one now. Gotta go uh, this one. I just uh, it, it it blows my mind that there's just so much out there already, and so many uh, developers are wanting to push out even more and more and more. Not even look. Oh, okay. I know it's not the developers; it's the suits uh, wanting to push out more and more live, live services for a thinner and thinner and thinner slice of that pie. Yep. It's money left on the table, don't you know? I mean before long the uh, slices of the pie are gonna be so thin that the filling of a Pop Tart's gonna seem like a feast.
0: Just thinking if I have other other things to add. I don't think I do, unless you've got something else to bring up, but Yeah. They you know they they said some something dumb. Mm-hmm. Surprise,
1: surprise. Uh which part of me I wonders if it's just a you know, drum up by- People uh, looking at the game because, right? I mean, we're talking about it. Yeah.
0: No such thing as bad press. (laughs) But yeah. All right.
1: Yeah, it is interesting that they uh, did the ampersand because it makes it uh, a little harder to actually type. I have to remember what uh, key that is. Actually, hang on. Hmm. Chart skull. Just for the hell of it, right? Okay. I just saw the quote.
0: People will really see how vast and complete that game is. Eve's Gemo says, "Negative. You will not.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh well, it doesn't register on uh, Steam DB as pl- uh, with players. That doesn't play well, does it?
0: It does not. Does not indeed. I thought it was on
1: Steam. Yeah. I- I'm sorry. You cut out for a second. You what? Uh... Some people are claiming that it's not on Steam at all, but I'm pretty sure it is. Or maybe it's, uh, uh, I think it's a timed exclusive for Ubisoft and uh, Epic Game Store, so that would explain it, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't see it on Steam, searching for it, but... Hmm. Well, that's even, yeah. Well, let's put it this way. There's a Steam form for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um... Rage. Where can, where can people send us stuff if they want us to read about it, talk about yeah, it?
1: Sort of like Skull and Bones? Sort of
0: like how they send us
1: Skull and Bones. Well, if you was to talk, uh, have us talk about things, you could drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vgopodcast.podbean.com. You could email us. Or you can drop by Twitter uh, at or vgopodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, hey, Rach, why don't you uh, why don't you hit them with them socials there? Well, I'm not very social. I'll try. Yeah? Uh, I'm giving you a CR on Twitter if you wish to contact me, because I don't really do a lot on Twitter these days. Actually, I just kind of uh, sit in the corner and uh, stare at people. It's like, you dumb motherfuckers. Uh... But if you used to be my friend on Steam, you could contact me ever there. At Caffeine Rage, have you been?
0: I've been Jared. Me, this guy. If you want to follow me on the places, you can do so on Twitter and Blue Sky at JMA four seven zero seven. I mostly uh, repost cute slash hot slash sexy uh, art that I find and talk about big robots. And video games. Um, and big, sexy robots. Big, sexy robots. Um, and then, obviously, if you would like to speak to me on Discord, you know where to go. Go to our Discord. Join it. Say hey. And if you want to be friends with me on Steam, that is four seven zero seven. Yes. Woo! Those are the
1: things. As I scroll back to the top...
0: Take uh, us home
1: there. Yeah, once again, VGO Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Tweet us, vglpodcast, or drop out the Discord, which you can find a link to that. Once again, Podcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. Our intern and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLaurin. You can find his work over at incompedeck.com and...
0: As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, buh-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.